Email todayradio at rte.ie. The summer is drawing to a close. The schools are getting ready for a much changed environment than they are used to. Many schools have been working hard to install COVID-19 protocols. So so to give us a flavour of just what exactly is in store for the new school term, I'm joined on the line now by Terence Reynolds, who is Principal of Scullneve Ridge National School in Ballyconnell, County Cavan. Mary Theresa Kilmartin, who is Principal of Clot the Bridge Secondary School in Clondalkin in Dublin. And Paddy Scales, who is Principal of Banagher College in County Offaly and who is enduring a local lockdown at the moment as well as trying to get the school ready for reopening and thank you all very much uh, for joining us this morning. Um, Terence, I might start with yourself. What plans have you put in place? The date is very close now to the school's reopening. So so what have you done to get ready? So, so yeah, we, we, we've been kind of busy uh, throughout the summer. Uh, we ran a July provision programme back at the start, uh, just at the very tail end of June. So in advance of that, we had to get a few things in place already. So the rush, uh, we haven't experienced, I suppose, the rush or the panic that we could have if we had been waiting until the the final guidelines that came a couple of weeks ago. We got a a preliminary document from uh, the department back around the June time. So we relied on a lot of the advice in that document, which has borne through then in the latest document. So advance of the, the, the July provision, we had to install a lot of hand sanitizers around the school. We purchased some PPE. Uh, we had some procedures in place for entering entering the school and exiting the school. Um, some of the staff had to undergo induction training as well ahead of that, which is very similar to the induction training we're going to be getting ahead of next week. Um, the extension of the cleaners contract, uh, the implementation of a new cleaning regime, different practices around the school, so, um, and as well as that, uh, trying to observe physical distancing as much as possible mm. in the classrooms. Uh, we got to do that and trial it during those two weeks um, at the start of July. So we're pretty okay at the moment. Uh, we've had a strong line of communication as well throughout the summer with our parents uh, via the website and via email and via videos as well, just to show them how we've been faring out and what we've been doing to get the place ready, I suppose, and operational ahead of next week. Okay. Mary-Therese Kilmartin, um, in in terms of what people can expect, not principals, uh, students and parents, when they're returning to your school in Clondalkin, how different is it going to look and feel? Uh, Well, there you go, um, Sarah. You've hit the nail on the head. It is going to be extremely different. And for for everybody, for our staff, for our students, um, for the parents. So with all of the new protocols, the new routines, our new systems, how we're going to do things, making sure that our blended learning systems are ready to go if needed. Um, There's so much that's going to be new for everybody. So the word change is something that I'm going to be using a lot because um, there's going to be a huge amount of change. So for everybody, there, there is a huge amount of change happening within our systems and within all of our schools. So we're ready so to, to go, or starting to, we will be having a board management meeting tomorrow evening. Um, but still we're going through key decisions and what you're having to do is maybe carry out a risk assessment for every single new system, new procedure, go through the, the pros, the cons, look at it. We have a thousand students in our building on a daily basis and up to 100 adults. So that's a huge amount of people. And even to put a one metre distance in place, we are packed to the rafters. So our building was built for about 800 to 850. We already have a thousand. So um, there's going to be a huge amount of change and new systems in place. 
Uh, loads of texts in on this already, Paddy Scales, about how uh, people think it should be managed. One person saying, I think we should have uh, parents take their children's temperature every day before school. This would be like the GAA fit to play before school every day. Um, is that something that you've looked at or considered or what, what are your main changes that you will be implementing? Well, I'll see the same as all of the others. There will be a lot of changes to be implemented. Uh, uh, the advice from medical advice to parents will be that they, they should not send children to school if they have symptoms. So they will have to monitor their, their, their children. The parents are going to, we all have, and the parents and equally with us will have a big part to play in making sure that uh, we come back to school uh, in, in a smooth way and that we continue for throughout the year in that way. So, yes, everybody will have, uh, and we have, and the same as all the other schools, uh, obviously have to implement a lot of change. Okay, so uh, if we look at some examples then, um, say lockers, you know, what, what are you going to do in, in, in relation to lockers? We are still going to continue with our locker system. Our lockers are, are, are we are inset lockers, they're not uh, obstructing corridors, but obviously social distancing at locker areas and, all of, and toilets and all of those type of areas and canteen areas, they're the ones that are going to be probably most problematic. Mm. As We are being told that uh, the two-meter rule is the, the, the probably the best rule. This is, and it will be the best method of preventing any spread of the of the virus. So, the social distancing will be a, a bigger issue for us. I said on that. Uh, Mary Theresa, how will you manage that? All the kids come out of the classroom. <coughs> they go to their lockers to get their books to, for the next class. How do you manage social distancing in that instance? Okay, so for us, we're looking at totally reducing the amount of students that may have access to lockers, if at all. Because again, like that, um, generally for us, you go to your lockers at break time, start of the morning, break time, lunchtime and end of the day. Um, Lockers are key touch points. So again, students will have to take responsibility for wiping down. So we're looking at, again, systems that may reduce lockers or maybe have no lockers. A number of schools have decided no lockers. So at the moment, that's a key decision that we we are still debating. Um, We discussed it. We had student consultation um, last week with some of our um, student prefects, our sixth years. And um, they found that very hard to comprehend as to why we may be suggesting. So this is where a lot of key messaging, a lot of time needs to be spent in the beginning, working with our students, with our parents, um, in that whole piece that NEPS have identified as the slowdown to move forward. So communication, understanding, explaining. And from the outside in advance, there's a huge amount of anxiety. But really when students come back and we explain why and go back into the seriousness, and I think a huge amount of work will have to be done in all schools, going back over signs, symptoms, how to minimise risk. And that's what we're all trying to do is have a safe environment for Mm. each other. And getting students back into that whole piece of actually becoming aware of their physical distance from others. So this is going to, we're going to spend a lot of time in trying to teach the correct procedures around using face coverings or masks, um, you know, hand sanitizer, hand hygiene. And again, these are things that we would be encouraging parents to discuss with their children in advance of return. Okay. So parents can really support us here by trying to understand that things are really going to be changed and that for students, that what they presumed or what they've known may not be. Okay. So it's a complex issue actually, I want to Sarah. go uh, yeah. back to Terence on it uh, because I don't know if you heard Terence, we were speaking to Dr Gabriel Scali a little earlier in the programme and he identified two key things when it comes to schools. One is social distancing, the other is ventilation and he was suggesting windows need to be kept open, there needs to be an airflow. Is that something you'll be planning to do and will you be planning to do it throughout the winter? 
Yeah, when we were planning, we, we had our staff meeting last week and we all agreed on something like that, that every room would be ventilated throughout the day um, and that we'd have at least on one occasion during the day we'd have a movement break in each classroom which allowed the door the door to be left open and the room to be aired. Uh, the kids would go out with their teacher to do a daily mile or whatever around the school grounds. Um, but we would see just what, what the other contributors just said, like the physical distancing and the space and the movement at break times is vital as well, just to maintaining uh, maintaining those procedures. And we've decided as well to stagger our lunch breaks. So uh, we'll have half the children on the yard um, at break times and half the staff on the staff room. So there are uh, two, two main reasons, two main things in relation with ventilation and the physical Okay, and just talk to me about that window open idea. Uh, what happens in the depths of December or January when it's minus whatever it is outside and everyone's freezing? Well, it'd be it'd just be a case of keeping the, the, the windows open, uh, probably all windows open very slightly instead of one or two windows open full way. And um, like that, uh, we're playing it by year and seeing how it goes, you know. Um, probably the heating bills would be up, I'd say. And our green schools plan might be out the window for a couple of months. Uh, we just have to make do with what we have. Yeah, lots of people getting in touch on 51551 about it. Uh, one person saying, I'm a teacher. I work in a school which is majorly overcrowded. I've worked in rooms for the past five years which have no windows, no access to fresh air or natural light. I don't know if that's something that you would have a problem with, Paddy. Do you have any, or what would be your plan in relation to ventilation? Well, the same as that. We, we have a really modern building with windows will obviously have to be open. Uh, but uh, th- that will have its own problems when we go into November and December because uh, with cold weather, the, the nature of people will be maybe to close windows. So we're just going to have to, again, monitor that. Um, uh, natural light, we have plenty of natural light. So we, that, that definitely won't be a problem for us. Uh, it's a lot of the other the other issues, as, uh, such as the... the all of the, the distancing and the, the base classes, which we're going to have to do a lot more of, um, the, st- the stagger breaks and st- the staggered lunches, uh, intake, outtake, all of that will create more problems, let's say. But again, we're, we're, we have worked on them and we have a plan in place that, that uh, should be able to deal with all of that. Okay. Mary Therese, we have another text from a listener saying that teachers in secondary schools should go class to class instead of 30 plus kids moving every half an hour or so, leave the kids in one room with uh, the lockers in that room and have the yes. lunch in the class also. Is that something that you considered? Um, it, it is something that we are we are actively looking at, of course. I think every school is looking at how they can adapt their system. So schools are, are different, so all different sizes. Everyone's looking to see. But even at base classes, so if we take a 49 regular classroom of 49 square metres, the recommendation is 24 students. So our base classes are up to 30 students. So what do we do about the others? Right, okay. Do you know, so it's very easy for for things to be said, but in fact, it's actually harder to put them all into place. So again, we're examining all of that, Sarah, and that's why I'll be saying there's no one size necessarily fits all. But just going back to general, again, common sense, practicality. So if we know we, rooms have to be aired, you know, so we build a system in that at the end of every class, the teacher just stands up for five minutes, you know, like that, you'd maybe have a movement break, you'd could go out for a walk, do a lap of the building that would certainly fit our active school flag campaign. But also um, really common sense things like put on extra layers for students. 
do you know, there's nothing stopping a student putting on extra vests, maybe extra tights, putting on a layer under the uniform to keep warm. And many of our schools have school, school jackets too, mm. that if it is so cold or it is so wet, that we have procedures around anyway. So good, common, practical sense is what we So, what I mean, we could need we have a situation come December, do you reckon, that we'd have kids sitting in the classrooms in their hats and scarves and coats in the classroom? <laughs> I mean, genuinely, is, is that something that we could be looking at here? I don't think, Sarah, we've all had time necessarily to think that far ahead. Many of us are just saying, look, if we get the first four weeks and bring everybody back and get people back into that sense of community, sense of normality, that things calm down. Because in the beginning, we're going to have that heightened sense of awareness. And as every change and everything, after a while, it becomes a routine. And that's what we're all hoping for. So certainly I'm focused on my first four weeks at the moment. (laughs) That makes sense. Well, that's fair enough and and totally understandable. Um, Terence, what happens if someone gets sick? Pupil or teacher? What do you do? Well, well, we have procedures in place as part of our COVID-19 response plan that were sent on to us by the Department of Education. So uh, myself will be notified immediately. uh, How would that happen? How would that notification happen? Well, we have a situation, a card system in school, where which we have in the event of anything going wrong, that a, a teacher in the class, if they notice something discreetly, they just give this card to myself, uh, to, to a child who will go straight to the office or to myself, give me that card. As soon as I receive that card, I know exactly what to do and I know the classroom that it's in. And we have an isolation room set up in the school and we have a backup isolation room as well in the case of two cases in one day. Uh, I will come uh, to meet the child. The child obviously will, or the person will be displaying uh, the symptoms, which we are all well aware of. And that person will be uh, given some PPE. Uh, I will have my PPE on and we will make our way safely to the isolation area. Um, And in the isolation area, they'll be given time and space to sit down, relax. We will touch base then with uh, parents, if it's a child, to let them know that uh, this is the case and we may take a temperature uh, while there as well. We have thermometers on site just to be sure and then uh, what happens then is the parent will come to the school, bring the child home and contact the GP uh, to take the necessary steps for them. And what, ab- what about the classroom where it was, we say if it's a child, what about the teacher and the other kids in the classroom? The teacher and the children will be removed from the classroom immediately and as soon as it's practically possible we will disinfect the room clean the room down and the same thing will happen to the isolation room when the person is brought home or gone to the doctor or whatever and um, when, when the room is, is, is cleaned down and back to back to where it should be all the class and the teachers will return as normal. We'll be trying to do it as discreetly as possible to not raise alarm you know there won't be any uh, talking or, or uh, whispering or any panic, uh, the removal of the person from the room would be done as quickly as possible and as discreetly as possible. But you wouldn't be planning at this point to send the children home? No, no, no. Uh, under the guidelines, that doesn't happen. And uh, what happens, the child will go home with their parent. They will contact the GP and go through the necessary steps that could be to go for the test. And once the testing, if the testing comes back, uh, the test comes back as a positive then the HSE will be in touch as well and the contact tracing 
will take okay. place uh, Mar- for close contact. Mary Trace, I think you want to get in there. Does that sound similar to, to what you will be doing? Abs- absolutely. And in terms of, I think it is quite clear because I know, you know, even between if people are using actually the COVID tracing apps themselves, even just, you know, again, informing students and parents to be using that, um, it quite clearly goes through the procedures which somebody should follow if they if they were contacted by contact tracing as well. And in terms of, for us in our school, so we've identified a number of key areas as isolation rooms. But again, it will be trying to minimise and then follow all of the advice that we were given. But we would be expecting that HSC would be contacting us. And it's also important that when something like that happens, we log and we log the, the class so that we're able to identify who was there at the time. So all of our schools at this stage probably have... Um, attendance tracking systems or our school management systems that again need to be it'll be so important again that teachers are keeping that up to date and taking their roll calls and that's another procedure that's going to be very important okay well we have a couple of texts in separately on on the issue of hats and scarves um i laughed at the idea that we might be having kids in hats hats and scarves but some of our listeners are certainly not laughing Uh, one person says i work in primary school 14 year olds all prefabs poorly insulated we regularly have pupils in hats and coats i can only imagine them in sleeping bags says this person if we to open the windows um, another person says Sarah you're laughing at hats and scarves the reality in my classroom is hats, coats and scarves from November to February because the room is damp and the principal limits heating to two hours a day so we can afford heating through the winter yeah. there's no ventilation with limited windows only able to open a crack and I suppose that comes back a bit Mary Trace to what you're saying that there is no one size fits all here no. and some and, and schools are in yes, very difficult course. situations there, there are schools that absolutely need upgrading and again we have huge waiting lists even to yeah. far new schools or far extensions and all of that in the country, it really shows, and I think something like this has highlighted the fact that our education system isn't invested in to the same level as in other jurisdictions, yeah. that our GDP investment in education is, is there. We've one of the largest PTRs, class sizes, and the small adjustment that we've been given is absolutely not meeting the, the necessary needs. If, sure. Well, I give you an example of that. Well, Sarah, actually, I, very, I, I, sorry, I'm sorry to cut yeah. across you, but I want to move on to, to Patty because um, you've been sitting no there quietly, Paddy, for a few minutes now. And I do want to ask you, because you're obviously in Offaly, um, and I know some of your students are going to be coming from Tipperary and Galway. Uh, there's a local lockdown in place there at the moment. The talk is that the plan is still to lift that lockdown on Sunday, but as we can see, the figures are not good nationally, so we don't know what's going to happen. Um, how much of a problem is it for you now in terms of planning, and how much of a problem for would it be for you in, in, in the next couple of weeks if the lockdown remains in place? It is a problem, sir. We we thought we were, we had gone through the lockdown phase and, and then to just launch back into it last uh, last weekend was a bit of a setback for us. Uh, it is causing problems now with uh, trying to get vital supplies and stuff in that we need, such as the hand sanitizers and the various things that we need just to be set up uh, with with deliveries, etc. Uh, and the unfortunate thing about it, where, where we are in the part of Offaly, we are the, the Borbanner for Ban area, which covers an area an area that's in a number of days we'll have over well over 2,000 uh, post-primary school students returning and maybe three to 4,000 primary school students. Since June 12th, there hasn't been a COVID case uh, in, in any of that area. So we, we are very much at the the end of the of the area where, the, but we are still very much in lockdown. So the, there is a worry there that uh, if there are future lockdowns, that uh, the 
process that's being used at the moment is not probably the best way of dealing with lockdowns because we are, thankfully, and, and hopefully we'll continue, we would regard ourselves as being COVID-free at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have students, as you say, from Tipperary and from Galway. And th- the worry I would have, if, if, if there was uh, a, a peak or if there was some uh, number of COVID cases in our area, uh, does that mean that a, a lockdown could extend as far as Clifton or Inishboffin or somewhere in the Galway region? Because we, we are only we are only, meters, we're only a few hundred metres from the Galway border and have, between Tipperary and Galway, have about a third of our student population come in from those counties. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is a concern and it is a worry. Can I ask you then separately, Paddy, there's a report in the Irish Independent today that the gender trends of previous years when it comes to the Leaving Cert, that they will be built into the predicted grades for the Leaving Cert. And normally in the Leaving Cert, what we see is that girls do better than boys. And apparently that gender preference is going to be built into the algorithm so that girls will do better than boys again this year. Is that going to work, do you think? Don't know. I, I'm, I was quite surprised to see that that would be something that would have been factored into the algorithm because when grades were being submitted, we submitted grades based on the students' performance and on their teachers' professional judgment in consultation with their department colleagues. Uh, gender and uh, socioeconomic background or any of those were, were not factors that, that we put in, uh, that, that we factored in when we were doing the calculated grades. So to see that that would be going in now as part of the standardization process is a little bit of a worry. Uh, if one gender is going to uh, uh, perform better than, than the other in, in, in after the final outcome. Well, I think that's what should be. I don't, factoring that into a, a mathematical algorithm to, for standardisation is probably not the way to go. Mm. And just finally then, Paddy, would you be concerned more generally about how the predicted grades are, are going to work out, given what we've seen in, in the UK and, and, and all the various changes that have been made there? Well, I, I'd be hopeful that the, the, the process will be, nobody will be disadvantaged and the process will work in favour of, of the students who, who have worked hard throughout their five, six years in, in, in school and that they will hopefully be, uh, this week normally they should be moving on to their college classes, that's not happening this year, but hopefully in a few weeks' time that they will be all looking forward to move on to their, their first choice college classes. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us this morning. No doubt an issue we will be returning to before the schools get back. But for now, at least, um, that's Paddy Scales, Principal of Banagher College in County Offaly, Mary Theresa Martin, Principal of Clorsa Breja in Clondalkin, and Terence Reynolds, Principal of Skull Nivridge in Ballyconnell in Cavan. Lots of text in relation to this. I'll get to some of those after the break. Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1.